Welcome to another episode of Audaciously Speaking with me, Natasha Alvarez. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to tell you the story about the elevator. I also want to thank the people who have given me encouragement and positive feedback from the last episode. Remember, this is for you. If you can find something in here to help you get through a challenge or conquer an obstacle or even achieve a goal, then it was worth it. I'm making this for you, Bella and Luke, so that one day you know that I went through some things and I got through it. And this is how I did um, this episode is going to continue with the elevator. In the last episode, I told you that everything started from me going to the bathroom or me wanting to go to the bathroom in a campus with no bathroom for somebody in a wheelchair, only a stall with no door. Listen to the last episode so that you can find out about that. We find out that I got some pretty good help from my professor, Adrian Peaver, and that he told me to go to the plant operations building, not the plantation, which is what I said in the last episode, and I'm very sorry about that. And I found out that the entire campus had these blueprints. So you have to remember, I am 18 years old, and I have no idea about this. As I'm looking at the blueprint, I'm realizing that there were ways to make the entire campus better for wheelchair users. The more I pushed on campus, the more my classes changed, the more I realized that this was becoming a bigger challenge than what I had originally thought would happen. Now, I had two choices. I can either do what many people told me to do, and they said, go to another school. Why did you choose this school? No one told you to pick this school. Yes, I received comments like that from other students, and I was really upset about that because why are you picking on me? I want to do everything that you're doing. I want to go to activities. I want to go to sports games. I want to go to classes. I want to pee, just like you. And why can't I have a bathroom, just like you? Why can't I go to the dining room, just like you? But yet, the University of Miami wants me to pay the same tuition, just like you. Isn't that something? You guys want me to pay the same, but you're not willing to give me the same. That is something that always stayed in the back of my mind. Always. So now we are in 1989 and 1990, and I bump into um, the president of the student body. His name is Erwin Rye. He goes ahead and he says that he's going to work with me on making campus a better place. I said, okay. I told him about the building where... A person has to use the telephone because they can't get to the second floor. So if you want to speak to a teacher on that 
floor, you have to use the telephone. So they will come down to you. Then there are the three major ramps that are so steep that in order for me to go up those ramps, I have to push faster in order to get some traction to get back up. Going down is easy. Going back up was scary. So the more I opened my eyes to the things that I was struggling with, the more I realized we needed change. Not only did my article for the University of Miami hurricane open people's eyes, but it also helped me get some more allies. And after a while, some people were coming around and they were saying that I need to write more articles and I need to contact um, the dean and I need to do this and I need to do that. Everybody has an opinion, but nobody has any actions that they're willing to take with me. One of the major problems that I had was the bookstore. When you go to the bookstore in the student union, you go in on the first floor. Everybody does. You, me, everyone. And once you go inside, if you want to go to the second floor, you have to go up the steps. No elevator. Or so I was told. I went ahead and I told them I, wouldn't, I wanted to get my books, just like everyone else. And they told me, to follow them. So I did. So I followed him behind some closed doors that led to a the book storage room. And there was a freight elevator, a service elevator, which is a solid door with a window on the top. And you open that door and you pull on it. And then you have an accordion door. Once you enter the elevator, you close the solid door, and then you close the accordion door. This is what I used my entire time on campus. It was the only thing that was available to me, or so I thought. One day, though, that elevator wasn't working, and I had to get to the second floor. One of the employees told me to follow him, so I did. And we used the elevator in the breezeway to go up to the second floor where there was a door that he unlocked and it placed me right there in the bookstore. I told him, why don't I use this? And he said, because no one's going to hear you. I go, why don't you place a buzzard or a ringer or something? Because no one's going to hear you. This is much easier for us. Just remember that, people. So I said, okay. Well, I told Erwin, who is the president of the student body, that I wanted to do a tour. And I wanted to put all of the leaders in a wheelchair, a manual one. And they would have to go all over the campus so they can see what I have to deal with on a regular basis. Long story short, it happened. And Dr. Flipsy was able to get some manual wheelchairs, but they were the really ugly kind, the ones that they have in the hospital, which is perfect because they're very difficult to handle. And I think it's exactly what these gentlemen needed. One of the gentlemen was Dr. William Butler, a very nice man, very, very nice. And he agreed to go and sit in the wheelchair. Um, 
Irwin also used a wheelchair. An architect, I think, used one, and a plant operations person did. So there were several of us. There was even an article written on it at the University of Miami Hurricane. So if you can look out, look for it in the archives, you could find it there. Anyway, we're about to start the, the tour when Dr. Butler says he has to use the bathroom. Even as I tell this story, I laugh. Because didn't it all start with a bathroom? And I went ahead and I said, oh, okay. So he's about to get up. And I said, no, no, no. You can't get up. The tour has started. And one of his assistants said, looked at me and said, Natasha, he has to use the bathroom. And I go, so did I. So if you want me to use that bathroom, he can use it too. Now, everyone thought I had stepped over the line. They're like, whoa, you cannot talk to the dean this way. In my mind, I didn't see a title. In my mind, all I thought was, you're on tour. You agreed to go on this tour. And I want to pee just like you. So what's the problem? Well, Dr. Butler, it's so nice. And he said, she's right. I agree to this. And he goes into the men's bathroom. And he comes back out. And he says, I can't. I can't get in there. So I laugh. And I go, that's okay. You can go into the girls' bathroom. But I will tell you now that there's not going to be any privacy. But don't worry. We'll stand outside and we'll guard the door. And so he did. He came back out and he said, okay, I'm ready. And I realized the problem about the bathroom. That needs to get fixed. I said, fantastic. But then one of the um, men was thirsty and wanted to use the water fountain. Of course, I don't use that because they're never for me. They're never at my height. And if they are at my height, they're so long that they touch the bottom of the of the floor that you can't put the wheelchair under. So the water fountains are useless for me. And I watch as he tries and fumbles and water spills all over his shirt. It was a lot of fun to watch. And I said, okay, are you ready for the tour? And they're like, yes. So we go all over campus. One gentleman falls out of the wheelchair because the ramp is so steep that he falls. Boom, back. It was hilarious. But of course, I was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm thinking, of course he's okay. He's not really disabled. He's just in a wheelchair for a little bit. He's going to be fine. And by the end of the tour... They realized this is hard. Their hands were dirty. They were tired. They couldn't handle the doors. They weren't able to maneuver the heavy doors and their wheelchairs. And we ended up at the bookstore. And I said, let's go. Let's go get some books. Well, by now they're really tired. And we went all the way up to where the bookstore, um, the freight elevator is located, but we didn't use it. Because they realized how complicated this was. And they asked me, is this what you do all the time? And I said, yes. Every single time I have to get books, I go up there. And they said, well, why don't you just ask one of them to bring the books down for you? And I said, why? Is that what you do for everyone else? Why can't I go and get my books just like everyone else? And they all agreed. They said, yes, you're right. I said, okay. I was really excited. I thought, 
oh my gosh, I, I opened their eyes. There's going to be change on campus. As a matter of fact, everything started looking better. Even the University of Miami Hurricane wrote an editorial supporting my tour and shaming President Futch for not going on the tour. And they made a little cartoon that said that he's better off, that he chose to be in his air-conditioned office on his leather office chair that has wheels. It was something like that. It was really good. And you can see that in the archives. I was excited. I'm like, yes, I'm making change. I can't believe this. Things are going to happen. I was so, so happy. And I told them, we need to do this before somebody gets hurt. Well, it looked like everything was going really well. So Erwin says to me, Natasha, I have some news for you. And I go, great, what is it? And he says to me, they're going to make changes on campus. And he gives me some figure, like, I don't know how much money it was. He goes, okay, we have X amount of money. And the student union, the student body is going to put X amount of money. And we're going to make changes. And I go, what do you mean X amount of money? So we're only limited to the amount of funds that we have. And he says to me, yes. And I go, why? And he says, because they don't have that much in their budget. And I remember so clearly that I said to him, are you kidding? Do you have any idea the tuition that people pay for this school? The University of Miami is one of the most expensive schools in Florida, if not the United States. And you're going to tell me they don't have money? Have you seen the cars that the football players drive? Have you seen their jewelry? Have you seen the basketball players? Are you kidding me? And he said, Natasha, honestly, this is, I think they're doing really well. And, and Erwin is very diplomatic and trying to calm me down and tell me that, you know, this is good. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I have to tell Erwin, obviously, you don't know about Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. And now we have the Americans with Disability Act. They have money. They can do it. So Erwin said, this is what they told me. So let's make a list of what needs to be done. I said, that's fine. We'll do that. But I'm letting you know that if these changes are not made all over campus, someone's going to get hurt. And then they're going to regret it. I think this is the part that I would consider foreshadowing. Because in my senior year, on my birthday which is January 9th, I went to the bookstore. I was on the second floor coming down the freight elevator with my friend David Williams. And we were going down there when I looked and I can see on the solid door, there's a window on the top. And I see a woman with a stroller, a baby stroller, and there's a baby in there. So she pulled the solid door and then she opens up the accordion door halfway. Once she sees me, she steps back. 
but she holds the solid door. My friend who's with me, David Williams, he opens the rest of the accordion door. And I push out. And I fall. There has to be at least a 12-inch drop. Later on, the elevator company claims that's not true. So I guess we're just going to pretend that a bunch of ghosts lifted my wheelchair up and dropped me on the ground. Because the next thing you know, I hit the cement. The first thing I do is check my teeth. I always check my teeth first whenever I fall. I don't know why. I guess I have this fear all my teeth are going to come out. And the paramedics come and they help me back onto the wheelchair. Now, it turns out I have broken my breastbone. I have broken my ribs, my hip, my pelvis, and something happens to my left lung. It's not collapsed, but it's something. It's injured. It's no longer as healthy as it used to be. When I go to the hospital for all of that, I convince myself, I'm just going to get back up and go to school. Not a big deal. It's my birthday. I've got to go. My mind was so convinced that nothing was going to, you know, stop me from my normal plans. And I spend the rest of that week in and out of pain medication. I see Dr. Butler. I fall asleep. I see my own dean, um, Dr. Rita Deutsch, and I go back to sleep. People are coming in. People are coming out. And um, Dr. Rita Deutsch says to me, we're going to help you. We're going to get you some classes while you heal. And I told her, what do you mean? I'm, I'm going back to school. And she looks at me and she says, no, honey, you're not. And then my mom explained that I have to be in bed for about six to eight weeks in order to completely heal. And it was as if my life crumbled. I was a woman with plans. I was a woman with goals. I had to do this because that was the next step. The goal was go to college, get a degree go to law school, be a lawyer, conquer the world. Those were my plans. That's how I was raised. That's what I was told. That is who I was. And now I fell out of an elevator and my entire life is upside down. And I cry because my life is upside down. I go home. And I'm stuck there for six to eight weeks. All this could have been avoided if the University of Miami had been true to Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and not used money as an excuse to not be in compliance. And that's the truth. It has nothing to do with the ADA. Although it was 1992 and they had two years, they still had way more time because of Section 504 
of the Rehabilitation Act. It was a very, very sad time in my life. It was very unhappy. And I cried a lot at night because everything was banished. I will tell you, as I conclude this episode, that people enter your life and sometimes they are background characters and sometimes they are main characters. And Dr. Rita Deutsch became a major character because she found a way to give me two classes that I can take while home. And she was so sweet. She said, Natasha, I know that you are going to go crazy at home doing nothing. So I'm going to give you two classes. I spoke to the professors and they said it's okay. One class was creative writing and the other class was um, mystery authors. I loved both classes. If it wasn't for her, I don't know what I would have done as I sat home and healed. There's more to the healing process, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Right now, I want you to stay with the idea that I had to pee. I found more mistakes that could have been resolved. I took action. I tried to get people to help me resolve an issue. And yet, somehow, I was being given another blow. Would I rise? Would I just sit down and, you know, pick my scabs, lick my wounds, have a pity party? Or was I going to do something about it? We'll find out next time. What I'd like you to do is share this episode or any other episode with someone you know. Go to NatashaAlvarez.com. That is N-A-T-H-A-S-H-A-A-L-V-A-R-E-Z.com. And pick up your free PDF. You will be signed up to a newsletter. Don't worry, I haven't done any newsletters yet, but you will be. And get ready for the next episode where I tell you what happens during the healing time. Thank you so much, and we will talk soon.